Hello, welcome to Workplace Wake Up. I'm Jen Shaw. Every week, I spend about 15 minutes covering legal developments, introducing you to interesting guests, and providing some entertainment to start your workday. I am very excited because we have a special guest today, Megan Donahue from our office in Sacramento. Um, she is amazing, and Megan is our I-9 guru. Good morning, Megan. How are you? Good morning. I'm great, thanks. So how did you become an I-9 guru? How did this happen? What did you do in your former life? Yeah, I kind of evolved. Um, I used to be in HR for many years at a Fortune 500 company. And at some point, I uh, moved into the compliance world, focusing on wage and hour and for my nines, because we were seeing a lot of auditing going on. And so through that process of being audited, I started to become more and more expert in what they were expecting, what they were looking for. Um, that company also went through a process of moving towards electronic completion of their Form I-9 and submission to E-Verify. And I played a, a big role in moving that over and converting us over to that process. And so through all of that um, trial and error, I learned over time really what is required of the Form I-9 and how to comply. One of the things, Megan, that I think is interesting is I feel like a lot of folks look at the I-9 as sort of a, I'm trying to think of the right word, just a basic administrative process that isn't that important. And the penalties are significant, right? I mean, one of the things that I think particularly newer human resources professionals need to understand is that th there's a real problem when you don't get your I-9s done correctly, Absolutely. It is very deceiving how it looks like a very simple form, but there are a lot of ways that an employer can go wrong uh, when they're completing that, both substantive and technical errors. And if you are audited, there's a significant chance that a large portion of your forms will have either substantive or technical errors. And you're right, this, the fines are significant. They are $257 to uh, $2,507 per form when you've got errors on those forms. So it's really important that you get it right. Um, once you get your forms in good shape, keeping them in good shape is is easier to do. So, uh, you know, we always talk about getting it right the first time, auditing your forms and correcting those errors and getting them in a good shape so that you can keep the, keep up with it as you go along. Now, we're about to do a webinar on the Form I-9 because there are a lot of changes that are going on. What is happening? Why is the I-9 in the news? It feels like every few months or so, there's some sort of development on the I-9 front. And it's not very well publicized. And I feel like a lot of employers don't really know what the changes are. What's going on right now in the I-9 universe? Yeah, for many years, the I-9s was kind of, were kind of stagnant. There weren't a lot of changes going on. But lately, we've been hearing more and more about it since COVID, really, and the flexibilities that came out with COVID. Uh, but we have sort of big news in the world of I-9s uh, that started yesterday. So August 1st. Uh, USCIS deployed a new Form I-9. And so they've revised it. Um, they have made it into a single page document. So it's one sided, one sheet of paper for the core of that form. They did spin off the preparer and or translator section into a supplement that you may or may not use depending on the circumstances. 
Section three, which was previously, um, you know, what was used for the re-verification and rehires, that no longer exists on the face of the form. Instead, that is also a supplement that depending on the circumstances, if you need to do a rehire or re-verification, you would use the supplement and print it out and attach it. So it looks very different. It has pieces and parts that you may or may not use depending on the circumstances. They also updated the lists of acceptable documents to add some clarifications in in that respect. So employers will need to start providing that new lists of acceptable documents sheet to their new hires. And they also changed some of the language on the form. Um, For instance, they changed alien authorized to work to a non-citizen authorized to work and a few other tweaks like that. So you will notice some other changes as well. So that was that's a big development in the world of 499. Oh, absolutely. And one of the things that it just brings home to me is the importance of having a person in your organization who is responsible for I-9 compliance. Because if you decentralize this process and you give everyone these form I-9s and tell local managers, for example, go ahead and process them, they're going to have the wrong form. They're not going to be following the right process. So so do you agree that as a best practice, somebody's got to own this, right? Somebody in the organization, just like leaves of absence or workers' comp claims or payroll, somebody's got to own I-9s, right? Absolutely. And that person should be well-trained, well-versed. They should know their resources. They should have people that they can turn to, trusted sources to get additional information if there are questions that come up. There are unique circumstances that will absolutely arise when you're completing the Form I-9. There's not a lot of a cookie cutter there. And so you need to know who you can go to, who you can turn to to get the right answers to make sure that you complete the form correctly that first time around. Uh, you raise a good point about making sure you're using the right version of the form. Now that they've released that new version, um, the one that's dated as revised 8-1-2023, you can start using that immediately and employers should start using that as soon as possible. But it has to be implemented by October 31st. So you can have a little bit of a delay, if there are some communication breakdowns, you know, they're, they're building in that wiggle room for you. It also allows employers who are completing their form electronically to get their systems up to speed uh, and upload that new version of the form and, and get it uh, rolling properly. So there is a, a period of time when you can transition, but you do need to have it done by October 31st and certainly do it as soon as possible. Excellent. And The good news is you don't have to redo the old forms, right? We had a question from a client yesterday about that. Well, gosh, Jen, do I have to go redo the I-9s? The good news is you don't. It's just going forward, right? Absolutely. You do not need to redo all those forms all over again. In fact, you should not redo those forms over again. You want to have the record saying that you were in compliance all along. You've had these on file. Uh, You should only redo a form when it's absolutely necessary to redo those forms. Whenever you are completing a form, you use the most recent version of the form. So if there is a discovery that you're missing a Form I-9 or a Form I-9 was destroyed or is so out of compliance that you need to do a whole new form over again, you would use the new version of the form, but that's the only time that you would be doing a new version of the form for a former employee. Okay, so that's at least one bit of good news. Now, the other thing that's interesting is I think a little tricky. It's a little 
um, a little bit of the government, I think, wanting employers to use E-Verify, right? So can you talk to us what process was allowed during COVID in terms of documentation for the I-9 that is now permanent? And what do employers have to do to take advantage of it? Obviously, we're going to talk about this in great detail on the webinar, but let's give everybody a taste of what the issues are. So on July 25th, 2023, um, DHS issued its final rule on the optional alternatives to the physical document examination associated with the employment eligibility verification. That is a mouthful, but what it basically means is that they have now blessed a, an alternate process that is permanent for completing the Form I-9 remotely. Uh, that is something that they were doing as a flexibility during COVID when it was really frowned upon for you to be in person with folks in the workplace. Uh, so they put in this flexibility for that uh, temporary period of time. That has ended. Um, that ended on July 31st. But in light of that, they have now issued this new rule with an alternative process that will allow employers to verify documentation remotely on an ongoing basis. But here is the catch that you were referring to, Jen, with E-Verify. In order for an employer to qualify for this option, they do need to be enrolled in E-Verify and they need to be participating in E-Verify in good standing. Um, and so that means that a lot of employers in California who maybe haven't been enrolled in E-Verify because it was optional for employers in the state of California up to this point, they may be interested in looking at moving over to E-Verify processes so that they'd be able to remotely verify their Forms I-9 moving forward. Um, once they do sign up for E-Verify, there are a few things that you still need to do. The form still needs to be completed within three business days. The employer is going to need to gather copies of the documentation that the employee is using, again, within that three business day timeframe. You also have to, in that same time frame, conduct a live video interaction with the employee that you're hiring. The cameras have to be on because the goal of that conversation is to make sure you can see the person, see that they are who they say they are, uh, and that the documents do, in fact, reasonably relate to the person who you're speaking with virtually uh, through that conversation. Those documents do need to be retained. So that's another voluntary thing for employers who aren't in E-Verify and who aren't in um, the pro process of using this alternative uh, verification process. But you would need to retain those documents with your Forms I-9 for the same period of time that you retain the Forms I-9. And then there's going to there's that new checkbox on the form where you would indicate that you use the alternative process to examine the documents so that you can record that as well. So there are a few extra steps, a few extra things that you need to do. But, you know, I think a lot of employers are going to be jumping at this, particularly as we see um, a lot of work from home. Uh, post-COVID continuing and, and, and businesses being decentralized and not having employees working straight with their manager face-to-face -face on a regular basis. I'm really glad you brought that up, Megan, because this really is a nod to remote work, right? It really did come out of the idea that during COVID, so many people were working at home. It just wasn't possible to physically examine these documents the way the law required. And I think we, we all were sort of hoping this would become a permanent solution. So it's good news. Now, let's talk for just a minute about E-Verify. As you know, Megan, we've talked about this a hundred times. So many of our clients have this visceral 
visceral reaction to not wanting to use E-Verify. Is it that bad? What is the, why do people have, many um, employers have this negative reaction to using E-Verify? Yeah, I think that really stems from people getting nervous about signing the memorandum of understanding, saying that you are going to contact Social Security Administration and the Department of Homeland Security every time you hire an employee and give them all their information. Uh, That seems to make people a little bit nervous. But it shouldn't be too scary. What you're really doing, what the process is allowing you to do is to take the information off the document that the employee is presenting to you. Um, You take that information, you put it into E-Verify, and it checks the databases that Social Security Administration and the Department of Homeland Security has. Some state agencies are, are also involved in that. It checks the document information against the government databases, confirms the accuracy of that information, and feeds it back to you to say, this person is employment authorized. Now, Jen, an important piece that I would point out is that it's not checking for certain that this is the person presenting it, right? So the Form I-9 piece is still an important element of this whole process because you as the employer who is hiring the employee are responsible for making sure that the person presenting you with the document reasonably relates to the documents they're presenting. And then you put it in the system and the system says, okay, and these documents also match what the government has in their system. So the information on the face of the card is in fact accurate. But you know, I'll give the example of if you used my documentation to get a job, my documents are valid documents. You put them through, it's going to say it's okay. It would be up to the employer to make sure that they go, hey, Jen, this doesn't look like you. This looks like Megan. And so uh, we can't hire you using these documents. So both elements are a very important piece of the the process, but um, I don't think employers should be scared of using E-Verify. There is a little bit of an administrative burden that goes along with using E-Verify. There are some training things that you're going to need to do if you're implementing E-Verify for the first time. Uh, But once you get the ball rolling, I think the process really does um, help more than hurt. Megan, that is so helpful. And I really love that you highlighted this idea of what E-Verify is checking is the validity of those documents. The employer this is why you said cameras on, right? The employer still needs to be able to look and say, from an identity perspective, is this the right person? Megan, thank you so much. I hope you will all join us on August 17th for our webinar. Uh, Megan is working hard on the materials. We're getting it together for you guys. It's a brand new webinar talking about the new form and best practices, what to do about the remote verification, pros and cons of taking advantage of it. So Megan, thank you again. I really appreciate it. Everyone go out, have a great week and enjoy the rest of your summer. It's coming to a close. We'll see you next time. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to spread the word, please share it with others, post about it on social media and or rate and review it. Of course, you can also follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter, and email us at info at Workplace Wake Up, including its guests and hosts, do not provide legal advice in this podcast. Do not act upon any of the information discussed in this podcast without consulting a licensed attorney in your jurisdiction. 